0: With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today I've got Marco Mystery, who is the mining group leader for Goldup. Um, who provide independent consultancy, design and construction services to the mining industry. Um, we're going to talk about the mining consultancy market. Um, some of the topics we're going to cover is how to be a competent consultant in the mining industry, uh, what skills and attributes you need to, need to have to, and how you actually develop these. And how to build and grow um, your consultancy team. So I'd like to welcome Marco Mystery. How are you doing, Marco?
2: Hi Rob, how you doing? Um, thank you very much for inviting me on your show. I'm very well, thank you very much.
1: No, I appreciate you, appreciate you uh, taking your time out of your busy day to do this. Um, so let's kick this off. Just want to um, for you to tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into what, what you studied, how you got into uh, mining, um, your sort of career path that you actually took um to where you are today
2: yeah sure okay um so i studied mining engineering at campbell school of mines um it was i suppose a, a sort of a, a roundabout way of getting to a degree which which i thought was exciting um i enjoyed maths and science at um, at school so uh, and also traveling as well actually so after a couple of years out trying to work out what to do um, i spoke to a few other people and spoke to one person who we were working on a show cave in Ireland, actually, and he happened to be a mining engineer. And it's something that I hadn't thought of before. And I don't think many people in the UK do really think about mining as a, as a, as a career path. They um, don't.
1: And certainly they probably don't now <coughs> uh, and more recently, um, just because obviously the, the market here in the UK. Um, there is things happening, but it's not in the forefront of <coughs> people's mind. Mind.
2: Exactly, exactly. So I I, mean, I I did take two or three years out after doing my A-levels um, because I wasn't, I think I was all set to do I think it was law or something at Southampton or something like that and just thought it doesn't quite fit well. So yeah, took a couple of years out, distant traveling, spoke to a few people um, and I came about it because it just sounded exciting really. Um, I, I'd also read up about Camborne. Realised it's standing I suppose in the global um, in the global university scale when it comes to mining courses um, And it yeah, it just sounded appealing.
1: Yeah, and then from your studies. What did you do next?
2: So studies um, I went to Australia um, spoke to a few people um, Talked about what best way to get into into the mining. What would be what would best serve me well? Um, that was on a gold mine in Australia uh, then came back to the UK. They were saying look get something else get some commercial experience um, Get something in the financial markets. So I came back started working for a consultancy um, and That was about 14 or 15 years ago um, And from there Really focused on how I could be I suppose a different sort of consultant or where my Where my skill sets would be best suited. And I knew I didn't have 20 years on-site experience. So how could I best fit my sort of skill set to the marketplace? Yeah. So I actually focused them really on, or well, first of all, doing my training within my design and getting the software skills, and then um, selected a niche, which was actually more down the financial markets, financial analysis and project management. Yep.
1: Yeah. How did you find going into that sector, like in the finance sector, having just obviously graduated had some work experience as a mine engineer. I think you were
2: mining that,
1: uh, analyst, weren't you?
2: I was, but yeah. it was quite brief, I must say. So actually, uh-huh. um, I sort of thought that's, that's the route I want to take. Yeah. Um, went into that sector. I found it, it uh, you know, I was quite young at that time. It was quite daunting, I must say. Yeah. Um, it was it was on the uh, sort of trading floor, so we had to go down every morning and give the morning news to the trading floor. So I suppose it was quite good experience in, In trying to disseminate mining news very very quickly we had about 15 minutes to work out exactly who was who was reporting what results what that meant for the industry what that meant for the sector and then giving that to essentially lay people on the trading floor for them to assess and work out how that would impact on their on their trading um so that was that was um sink or swim type stuff i suppose um, but it was it was a rocky period, I must say. So I joined during the the crash, yeah. <laughs> which was the worst time, the worst time to join. It was just before um, um, just before the two thousand eight two thousand nine crash happened. Yeah. So it wasn't my fault. Just thought I'd, you know, just to make that clear. Yeah. Um, but I I went back into consultancy pretty quickly after that. But yeah. still had that passion for uh, evaluation of projects. I think the thing that I found frustrating actually was that I was always looking at other people's work. So. Yeah. After being on the other side of the fence and doing the work myself, um, I was always trying to assess other people's work and trying to work out where the gaps were, um, what was missing from what I was reading. So actually that also um, gave me a new way of looking at projects as well. So it was, it was interesting, it was a great experience, um, but I'd say that I, I enjoyed consultancy more because I was... I, I felt that I was able to influence the outcomes a lot more than being on the other side of the fence where you're just um, trying to work out where, where the gaps are essentially.
1: And then going back into the obviously consultancy field, how did your yeah. then career develop to where you are today?
2: So I went back into consultancy, um, moved through that for a few more years, um, again, developed my skills in various different areas. Um, so I, I had a good grounding, I suppose, in, in the mind design area, mind, design, optimization, um, scheduling, so the the sort of classic mining engineering skills. Then as my career developed, I I moved a bit more into project management But moved up to a different consultancy, actually one that was starting up, really. So it was was a new mining um, business within an established consultancy area. So being, I think, employee number two or three in that consultancy helped me think about how you build a consultancy, how you think about strategy. And that was a whole new way of thinking about the work. Before that, I was just essentially given work, yeah. uh, which I did. Now for the first time, I was thinking about what that meant for you know for the future of that business, um, what that meant when it comes to um, how busy we would be um, and just how we would position ourselves. So actually that was really good experience for me as well. It also meant quite a lot of responsibility that, um, Again, with not a huge amount of experience, we're probably talking about six or seven years by now. And it meant that I was taking on larger and larger roles, managing more um, sub consultants because we're doing a fair bit of study work. So that was my first foray really into managing large and complex um, um, studies. So that was really good. That was a great experience. That business grew. It allowed me to go and live in South Africa for a few years um, as well. How did, you, um, how did you find that
1: and how is the consultancy market in South Africa compared to the consultancy market here or isn't there too much difference?
2: Um, it, it is different, I, I found it, it was really good, it was great for me, it was very enjoyable, um, lots of different things to look at in South Africa, lots of different mining methods, lots of different projects, you get quite a, um, a different flavour when it comes to um, how people go about doing the business as well. Yeah. They've got a mature mining market over there compared to um, over here in the UK, which I suppose isn't quite as mature. So you're you're combining essentially the financial markets around the um, JSC and the Johannesburg Stock Exchange and being surrounded by mines as well. So it was a different mindset, I suppose, to doing the work out there. But I had a great time. I mean, it it, it was vital, I suppose, in my career. It was great to actually go and experience those things and immerse yourself in a different a different area different culture which i think almost you you're forced to do in mining because it's such a global business so it's one of the things that that attracted me to mining was the chance to to travel um to see different cultures so i think that was a that was a fantastic experience um And the ability to work in places as diverse as South Africa and then Botswana and Mozambique and other countries within within Africa um, was also was also a really good one as well because you got lots of diversity in a fairly a fairly small small area.
1: Yeah. Before I go on to some of the questions I've got, what are you actually doing now? And obviously you're the um, global head, or sorry, the 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 group head leader for the mining division for Golda. Before I go on to some of the questions, can you just tell us a little bit about what your role is now with Golders?
2: Yeah, so I joined Golders about 18 months ago, so the beginning of 2018. Um, so I'm the group leader for the what's called the MES team, so Mining, Engineering and Stability team. Um, and that encompasses all the work um, that we do within Mining Engineering, Geology and Geotechnical Engineering. I'm the group leader for Europe and more recently Africa, so I cover Europe and Africa. Um, I work alongside other group leaders in mine water, mine waste, and mine environment as well. So my, I suppose, bit of the business is is one quarter of the of gold of golders um, mining capability. Let's just say. So at the moment, we we would tend to be um, we focus on study work. So front end services were pushing quite heavily, particularly within the London market. So lots of um, study work when it comes to things like scoping studies. Things like pre-feasibility and um, definitive or bankable studies. Yeah. So that's taking up a lot of our time and then within that of course we would do the work, we would do the mine design, we'd do the resource modeling, we do the geotechnical um, design and then we'd we also work on the water waste and um, permitting aspects as well. We tend to subconsult consult things like processing because gold agents don't really have a processing capability but we would do everything else. So that mm-hmm. That really is what we're working on building. So we're building our team, we're building our services our, and our capability. Um, we're doing about, I'd say 70% of our work is on the study side, and probably 30% is on the other side of the fence, looking at projects from a due diligence perspective on behalf of investors. Yeah. Which tends to be banks and funds. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, the team in Europe is more mature. So the team that I took over, we've I think we've grown about threefold since I took over okay. at the beginning yeah. of last year. And I'm doing the same now in Africa. So the MES team is now growing as well in Africa. We are also doing that sort of work now um, pri- primarily in South Africa, but we've also got a Ghana base as well, where we do a lot of geotechnical um, work. Um, but in Africa, our, our primary presence as Golda Really is um, within mine water, mine environment, and, um, and tailings and mine waste.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to go on to some of the questions now. Um, and I think a couple of these questions would be good for the audience to, to hear, especially if they're looking to get into the consultancy field. Um, yeah. What makes a good consultant within the sort of consultancy field? What, what, <laughs> what do you say? What kind of attributes may they need? Um yeah. to be a to be a, a I suppose a good consultant and survive in that sector.
2: Yeah, okay. Um this could be as long as, as short as, as you want it really in terms of an answer, but it's something that obviously I've been thinking about a lot over the past um probably decade or so. Yeah. Um I think it takes I mean it takes many people of course, many different types of people. Um first of all I think you need a diverse team anyway, um because if you have the same same team then you start to get into groupthink, you start to have blind spots, and you need a, you need a diverse team of diverse backgrounds um, and diverse interests to actually point out those blind spots. so that's, you know, having a kind of one-size-fits-all is, is a bit of a dangerous um, kind of area to go into. But in terms of skill sets, what I would say is that, um, I always think of it as sort of a quadrant, four boxes, when I think about the ideal, or perfect consultant, and those boxes, would be almost four different job types. So one box would be the engineer or scientist, and that's the technical area. That's almost a given, I suppose. So you need to have that background, you need to know your subject matter, you need to have experience, um, degree, etc., cetera, um, and maintain that as well. So that in my mind is a given, um, be it a mining engineer, geologist, geotechnical engineer, whatever that is, that's the first box.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think, I think most, People would think that that would be the box that they would just have to look at, but almost as important, or even more importantly, to be a good consultant would be the other boxes. So I think you also need to develop your skills in project and bid management. Yeah. So that is, can you communicate? Can you be a, a, a good project management? Can you put together a proposal? Um, that actually is a, a skill in itself, and something that it takes a fair bit of time to develop. You don't, you know, you don't just become a project management. A project manager overnight, it takes experience but that's something that also is required to be, to be a very good consultant, the ability to manage people and a project and also to manage um, a bid or proposal. Yep. The other one is that you've got to be essentially an editor And have an eye for detail so that is around the quality of the output when you are doing anything from a report so writing a report or putting together a presentation or even writing an email so any of your communication has got to be polished essentially Um, again something that I think some engineers sometimes fall down on um, but it's it's critical to becoming essentially a good consultant. I mean, as as consultants, we're essentially judged on on two things. I mean, really, our products are are the reports, yeah. and also experience. So the reports are objective; it's an objective measure. How how good is the report? I mean, is it is it concise? Is it easy to read? Does it get across the key facts? Um, is it um, is it written in a way which which uh, um, is is easily understandable by an audience who who may or may not have been part of the project. You know, all those things have got to be have got to be present. Yep. The experience is something that's subjective, and that's really um, around how you engage and how you develop relationships, etc. The fourth, sorry, where are we? So that was the project management, editor, engineer. The fourth one, I think, is you need to also. And this is maybe towards the the mid to um, latter stages of your consulting career, but think think of it as a as becoming a business owner. Yeah. So being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, thinking strategically. This is really a thing that switched in me when I went to the to that company who were established but just almost starting up a mining consulting business. I started thinking in a very different way about why we were doing things. Where was our position in the market? Why were we putting together a certain Proposal. What was our strength compared to potential competitors? So you start to think strategically, and you start to have a commercial awareness about the business and work you're doing. You're not you're not just doing work anymore. There's a reason behind it as well, and having that understanding is also important. So, I mean, it's it's tough to develop those things, and and we'll go into maybe some ways to do that afterwards. But um, the four things then really would be become an entrepreneur in a way, being a business owner being commercially aware, be a project manager, be a, an editor, and, and be an engineer or scientist. Yeah. So I think those are the four skill sets and around that there are, you know, soft soft um, skills that you need to develop around empathy, understanding, patients. you've got to always be a psychologist to understand what the client's drivers are. What they want to achieve it might not be obvious I mean you look at say an RFP or something um, and it's there in black and white but only through a discussion or conversation do you actually get the real reason for doing a job or what their actual drivers are so I think you've also got to, to be that to be that psychologist as well as yeah. those other small things. Yeah. So yeah, this is why it's a, yeah, it's a difficult one to answer in a way, but the soft skills, I'd say, are just as important as hard skills. Yeah.
1: I think you gave a very good overview of the whole sort of life cycle as a consultant from, obviously, from probably beginning, throughout yeah. your career, and you, and I suppose you build up all those skills and experiences during that time. So yeah. it doesn't come to you at once, and you have to get certain some of the basics right before you move forward, like you said, obviously, yep. um, being a project manager, when initially, obviously, you need to know the technical cap- your, your own technical capabilities, what you can offer in terms of services to the client. Yep. You then work through to the project management stage, where you then obviously be able to communicate, pick up different tasks, mm. manage a lot of different tasks. Then your report writing will get better as you get more experience. And then the latter end, where you said you're more managing a a group of people and you're thinking more strategically so i think that's that's a good overview of the whole life cycle exactly. as a consultant what yeah. i was going to say what how do you develop some of those skills within the sector obviously if you work within a, uh, an organisation or a consultancy you will start to pick up those skills where else can you develop these skills
2: yeah i mean i think you develop the skills various different means of course um, just experience um, within the industry is one way to develop an understanding of, of requirements I think that some skills I think I mean some of it is just down to personality so for example empathy or understanding what another person requires or, or, or will be experiencing when you when you are presenting or when you're talking to them is something you maybe have to work on but doesn't come naturally so well sorry it does come naturally so that's a difficult one to teach when it comes to empathy but other things would be just through experience doing doing the work as a consultant so um, once you once you've joined or once you once you've been given a position putting your hand up for roles uh, making sure you're present making sure you've got enough skills to be able to help out in many areas I mean, some of the hardest consultants to work with um, or manage are are the ones that just have very niche skills who can't really do a broad range, so for example, helping out with a presentation, helping out with a proposal, helping out with being a project coordinator before you go into being a project manager, so just working with a project manager. Um, if you can make yourself present or make yourself available and and just have an open mind when it comes to, to working on these projects, that's certainly going to help because then through osmosis you'll just develop these skills as you go on. Yeah. Um, and you'd also appreciate some of the difficulties and the issues that are faced when you are going through those um, projects, particularly if you're working closely with somebody else. Um, so I think the first thing is being present. Then the second thing is start to take on more and more responsibility. Sometimes you've got to sink a bit before you before you start to swim. Yeah. Um, so you start managing smaller projects, maybe with a strong project director to make sure that you've got a good mentor close by. So experience is is certainly. Um, one of the most important things, but you've got to be present to get that experience in the first place. Yeah. You've got to make sure that you're open-minded to that. I mean, things like courses are useful, but I, I've, I've, there's a certain place for courses. I think courses are fantastic to develop your technical skills, and and that is a must. Yeah. Um, so, for example, when we're looking at uh, at the team's continuing professional development or their training for for the upcoming year if we look at these four boxes the technical the engineering or scientist is always one that has to be maintained so that is done through um, through work through actual project work but also through courses making sure that people keep up to date with the latest technology uh, with the latest practices etc but i'd say really it's it's more about yeah developing a broad range of skills that mean you can help out in many areas and if you can become a a, a multi-talented multi-useful person then you'll find that actually you become a more rounded consultant as well.
1: Yeah. Before I talk about the latter stages in terms of building teams, what challenges do you think the industry faces at the moment? And <laughs> and I suppose moving forward the next six or twelve months, for instance? Yeah, okay. And um, this is from a consultancy perspective.
2: Yeah, I mean the consultancy world almost mirrors what's happening in the in the say real world to some extent. Um, we're not in charge of many of much of of the external influences and forces when it comes to the economy, for example. Um, yeah. But we need to make sure that we're ready for it. Um, I mean, the mining world is volatile, the um, just by its very nature. So we need to ensure that we. We're ready to help out in any sort of life cycle, so be it at the beginning stages of a money life cycle or or towards the latter stages. Um, I suppose a successful consultancy will be ready for for any part of that, and also able to see where we are within that life cycle as well. Um, access to capital is is always a problem as well. Um, we're doing our best to strengthen our due diligence capabilities, and we're we're very busy in that in that aspect as well. So. Managing risk and identifying risk in a responsible way is something that we are that we're working closely with some of the investors on developing ourselves and, and actually well i suppose perfecting ourselves yeah. um, because any disasters any any big project that goes that goes south isn't is just bad news for the industry because it scares investors so making sure that due diligence and due rigor is exercised throughout the due, the due diligence process is um, is vitally important. Um, the scarcity of, of minerals, the depletion of minerals, I mean, this is maybe longer term, but it just means that, that deposits are being found in, in more um, remote areas, so access to services, power, water, that sort of thing, um, access to a port is also becoming a, a bigger challenge. So we need to think of innovative ways of, of powering a, a, a new mine site, for example. Yeah. And these are things that we are working. I mean, these are we're doing a fair bit of work in Africa, and we are working at quite a few remote remote areas. And thinking of innovative ways um, to provide power is something that we are that we are thinking about as well.
1: Yeah. So, what sort of skills and best practices sort of do you need in developing a team in the consultancy field? I suppose whether you're at a principal level or even at a, a group leader level, like yourself, um, I take it obviously principal guys. Principal level um, engineers will be managing teams. Yeah. What skills do you say that they would need, and best practices in order to to uh, grow a particular team? And again, pass from your past experiences yeah. as well.
2: Okay. So to develop a team in the consulting market as well. Yeah. Um. Well, the further through, throughout your career you go, you'll do less and less technical work. Um. So that's just the way that the the sort of the life cycle of the consultant will go. Not always. Yeah, But you need to be aware that that, is, that, is, that probably should happen because um, the junior teams, junior staff need to be doing technical work to increase their skills. So actually, I suppose naturally, you, uh, someone should be aware if they're senior or principal that their role will go into becoming mentors, managers, um, thinking strategically, um, thinking about business development. So that's just something that throughout the career the other three boxes will have to get stronger anyway so again technical vitally important need to make sure that that is absolutely a one um, but particularly throughout the career the other areas will need to be developed um, and we need you need to ensure that teams are are being managed by not just by the most senior person but by the person who's most comfortable with communication with mentoring with development um in terms of developing a team, I think it's um, also vitally important that we, that we match up or well, we balance the external with the internal. So the internal being the team, but that's going to be balanced with what we're seeing externally. So there's no point in us building an absolutely sharp and fantastic site team in the UK because we're not surrounded by mine sites. Yeah. So I would say that, um, importantly, this, the same team that really works well, let's say in Perth or even in Johannesburg, won't work quite as well or even well in London. Yeah because different skill sets will be needed we need, we're in a different marketplace. So, we've, we always look at the external um, before we really start to think too much about the internal. So, the, the external, where we are in London, will be it's a commercial market. Usually, people are looking to either raise money um, through the project development, that's doing studies, um, developing their data sets, getting their resource sorted, you know, going through the next stage into pre-feasibility, into bankable, etc. And we assist them on that journey or we are on the other side in um providing finance and we we would you know advise the lenders as we as we've um, as i've spoken about so yeah. we've developed our team to match that now of course around that there's we do have an operating environment around the wider europe as well
0: yeah. but it's
2: going to be it's going to be less of a factor in our in our sort of workload so maybe 10 percent of our work is going to be actually on site Perhaps even less, actually. Um, So that is also important. Understanding the marketplace first before you start looking at um, at your own team. Also, understanding the the competition as well. I mean, that's also important. What do the competitors offer? Where are their gaps? Where are their strengths? Um, And then you can develop what you want to be in that particular market. So sorting out your business model, sorting out your offering um, will also inform the, the team that you've got as well, of course. Um, there's no point, I mean, if, if we don't know why we're better than our competition, then you know a client will never know either, essentially. So we need to get that absolutely straight before you almost start building the team. And then from there, it's about um, matching skills, matching personalities, thinking about who will work best together. Um, as I say, we've got a mining uh, mining engineers, we've got geologists, we've got geotechnical engineers. There are almost three say, departments within the MES um, division and they need to ensure that they are working together to make sure that they are you know, sharing work, that we've got the best people for the, for the role, um, for the projects we've got coming up. We know what's coming up when it comes to proposals or deadlines. Um, so they they very much have their own discussions and their own um, meetings But what's also important is that they're aware of what their place in the in sort of the holistically the mining lifecycle So they also absolutely need to work with the other disciplines to ensure that it's connected and it's joined up What we don't want to do is actually fall into the world where where you're siloed and you don't talk to other disciplines, you don't understand yeah. what your place in, in, in why we're doing what we're doing essentially. So I think that's something else that I've seen a few other people fall into the same trap is that you get into silos, you get departments on different floors who aren't speaking to other departments um, and every single piece of work feels like it's been done in isolation. So that's another thing that, um, that we do focus on. Yeah. Okay.
1: What's, what would you say the future of the consultancy industry is, um, and where where would you say we are in in the mining life cycle? I know that's probably pretty hard to predict, but from your perspective, where yeah. how does um, the consultancy move uh, consultancy industry moving forward, and where would you say we are in the life cycle?
2: Yeah, I think at the moment we do. It feels very much for us like we're in a, um, we're getting close to a boom time. Again, there seems to be lots of projects that are that are being are being funded there are lots of development projects and the the money seems to be flowing back into to early stage projects as well so we're definitely on the upswing I'd say particularly my experience within the London market um, or European market Um, so from that sense it's positive I think there's a lot more to come when it comes to to new projects coming on board to new opportunities for M&A as well I I would imagine Um, so from that sense it's a it's very much a positive message um the future um i mean i think people have spoken about automated minds smart minds mean, that's happening now so i think it's about time that causality start to i suppose gear up when it comes to specialisms around advice when it comes to automation smart minds big data management etc yeah. i think that's going to start to happen soon more than it is now in terms of commodities we're getting cleaner so cleaner technology um we're going again to support the sort of the tesla resolu- revolution so the tesla revolution when it comes to autonomous vehicles so i mean the battery minerals it's been a, a bit of a buzz word and yeah. buzz sort of um, topic for a few years now so there's some risk that's going to be flooded, but um, we are seeing more graphite lithium, uh, cobalt, et cetera, projects coming online as well, and a move away from some of the dirtier, the dirtier industries. Um, but I think really just the climate relationship is changing, and it has changed certainly, I think even in my experience over the past five years. Um, I think it used to be when I first started that consultancy was more secretive. I mean, we gave answers from a sort of black box. Um, we had databases that we worked on, and it wasn't it was very much more of an arm's length sort of relationship with the client. Now that has that's changing and has changed a lot. So it's becoming more transparent. Um I mean we strive to be more advisors rather than just service providers, so almost part of the team from the independent sense, but someone who could advise, um, collaborative working, you know, so that really I think is the big change that I've seen. And that has become. I think that's because a lot of the clients are being consultants. They understand the processes, and they actually want to work with a partner. Um, so it's just in the practices that we've seen in the way that people do the work. What what, what probably worked, I'd say, seven years ago, I don't think would work now. Yeah, really. Yeah, you
1: mentioned automation. Um, do you think then consultancies are changing the way that they do? work with clients that are going possibly or looking at starting to go through that automation process and does that mean you would have different consultants as well that understands more uh, automation rather than traditional mining?
2: I think at the moment particularly with the health and safety drive as well, I mean that that is at the forefront of everything we do. we are looking more at automation with clients. We usually at the moment use a specialist sub-consultant to assist with, with automation. Yeah. Um, and But the more it becomes the norm, the more it becomes normal practice within minds, then the, the nature of consultants will also have to change because the, the consultants essentially will have to reflect what's happening in industry. Yeah. So as industry takes on, you know, as normal practice, then we'll see more and more of those sorts of consultants, I think embedded within traditional mining consultancy firms yeah. i don't think it's going to i don't think it will happen for probably five years or no. more um but that is the way it's going to have to it's going to have to change yeah. um there's going to be more people that are software engineers digital engineers um electrical engineers that are going to be embedded in a traditional mining house
1: yeah certainly so lastly what's the outlook for golda
2: um right oh the outlook for golda okay well, let's um it's positive um if i think back to where we started about so when i started at the beginning of 2018 we just had a brand refresh which i think was appropriate because now it looks like a more modern progressive brand which really um aligns with the company we we are um you know we are trying particularly in 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 my team trying to be innovative um trying to push things forward as much as possible and if we're still doing things In the same way that we're doing things five or ten years ago, then we're likely to be um, inefficient or left behind. So I just think that the brand now is appropriate for this modern 21st century sort of fit-for-purpose company that that we now are. Um, And that's led into a growth. There's been a huge amount of growth as well over the past two years. So I think I'm right in saying that We've grown at about 10% over the past two years. Okay, that's good. Um, so we're now, yeah, we're now about 2,000 or just over 2,000 in our mining business alone within Golda. And that is a, um, well, that's that's come after, you know, we, we did have that lows, the crash of around 2016, 2017. We now are in this recovery period. Um, I don't think we're quite at the boom time yet, but we've definitely seen a few more than green shoots. So, with the increased recovery, we've got more stability in the markets now. That's led to um, more demand for Golder services. So, that's been very much good news for Golder as a whole. So, that has meant more investment within the mining business, which has been fantastic. Um, globally, we've introduced a key client program. So, we work alongside our major and global clients. Um, and that's just to ensure that we essentially have consistent uh communication across the globe around those those global companies and we mirror their services as well so again we deliver a consistent service no matter where the work is performed we also have a a deep and mass mining initiative as well so this actually is linked back to your previous question about what challenges the industry face and when we go back to the scarcity of resources um it's not just about finding new uh, new deposits in remote areas It's also about making the most out of existing deposits and projects, of course. So this is deepening and steepening um, existing projects. So either slope steepening or um, going deeper in existing open pit mines, or it's maximizing uh, extraction ratios, uh, block caving, stress measurements, and the associated uh, support requirements. So, I mean, that is aligned uh, ideally with Golda's traditional technical skill set. So there's a big drive around the deep and mass mining um, initiative. And I'm not sure I'm allowed to name names on this, but I'd I'd probably say that gold are on most of the deep and mass mining mine sites and projects across the globe. So that is something that we very much have a focus on. Locally, um, we are growing. So within my team, this is Europe and Africa, actually, we are still looking for mining engineers. We're still looking for resource geologists and geotechnical engineers. So we are still going through that growth period, but not yet at capacity yet. So um, in fact, if there's any of your listeners who have listened to this podcast and recognize some of the skills in themselves, um, please get in touch. I mean, um, we are looking for good people.
1: Yeah. And how can I get in contact with you?
2: Probably best, um, best to send me an email. So mmaistry at golda.com. Um, and we're looking for people that, I mean, we spoke about earlier, there's four boxes, that rounder consultant. Yeah. I mean, we're not looking for people who are the perfect consultant because they don't really exist. But we're looking for people who have the appreciation for what makes a good consultant, have that commercial appreciation as well around the London markets. Um, because actually finding good people is is my biggest challenge really at the moment.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Appreciate your time, uh, Marco, for taking the time to obviously discuss the uh, consultancy market and um, what you what you believe a, a good consultant is. And I think anyone that's listening um, can, if they're looking to get into the industry as a consultant or already in the industry and perhaps want to grow. So I think you gave some really yeah. good and valid points there. So really appreciate it. Well, thank
2: you very much. Thanks very much yeah. to you as well, Rob. Thank no you.
1: worries. Well, That's it for another podcast. Hope you enjoyed enjoyed listening. Um, Hope you got some valuable content that Marco provided. Um, And until next time, happy
0: mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org. Or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.